God, we thank you for your goodness towards us and all that you do, Lord. Great is thy faithfulness. We bless you and we praise your name. Amen. So what are you given to the Lord this morning? Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's good to have everybody in the house. And well, he takes up the discipleship offering, and then we're going to get right into our lesson, core values. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. If you have your lessons this morning, we want to go to John chapter 4. Amen. And while you're getting that, amen. Amen. We're talking about at core values. Amen. And we have seen in, throughout the lessons we've been teaching this year on core values. And core values are the essentials. They're the foundation. They're the things that your life must be built on and what your church or your organization must be built on. Your core values hold you steadfast. They're those things that edify you and build you and strengthen you. Amen. As we have seen, core values are the fundamental beliefs of a personal organization. These guiding principles dictate behavior and can help people understand the difference between right and wrong. Core values also help organizations to determine if they are on the right path and fulfilling their goals by creating an unwavering guide. While some people or organization might expressly share their core values, often the best way to identify these values is to watch how people behave, as core values often reflect who you are and your beliefs. Amen. So what do we believe? If we have already looked and we've already discussed the fundamental doctrine, the core value of doctrine. We've talked about doctrine. The basic fundamental doctrine of this organization shall be the full uh, doctrine of eternal salvation, which is repentance, water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and the infilling of the Holy Ghost of the evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God give the utterance. Amen. We admonish brothers everywhere to not use their own views for the disunity of the body of Christ. Amen. The doctrine throughout you see Paul constantly talking about the doctrine. He told Timothy, I left you in Ephesus that you might teach us some that they uh, charge some that they teach no other doctrine. There's only one doctrine, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that must be applied to our lives. Amen. Then we saw we talked about apostolic identity. You identify with Christ. Amen. Holiness, separation, identity, identify who you are. Then last month, Brother DeMuth talked about unity, uh, the importance of being united together and working in unity and living in unity. Uh, you know, three, four quarters, not easily broken. We must always learn to operate in a united effort. Amen. We become one in him. Paul says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the body in peace, amen, there's one Lord, there's one faith, there's one God, there's one body, you know, Father of all, above all, through all, and in y'all, so we, so we got to have that unity, and so today we want to talk about apostolic 
worship, apostolic worship. The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. So notice in that passage, those few passages of scriptures there, you see ten times there is a form or some mention of worship. Amen. There's ten times in just that four passages there that it talks about worship or five passages that talks about worship. And so we can see that worship is very important. Worship is defined as to bow down in awe, to pay divine honor to God in a humble reverent and a homage way. The feeling of expression of reverence and the adoration for a deity. Amen. When we start and think about worship, Worship is really designed to bring us into an intimacy with God. We do more praise than we do worship. You know, the scripture says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart and into his courts with praise. Usually, sometimes we can misconstrue the difference between praise and worship. Praise should push you to come more to a worship standpoint. As you begin to praise God, you begin to thank God for what he's done for you. Amen. And so you're coming in with praise in your heart to glorify, to thank him. But your praise should really move you to a point of worship. That you begin to acknowledge God for who he is. We know that he's the almighty God. We know that through scripture he's the bread of life. He's the comforter. All the things that the scriptures tell us about God should move us to a point to acknowledge him for who he is. Amen. And that's what worship is all about. Come, let us worship and bow down, the psalmist said. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hands. Amen. So you see, worship should cause you to acknowledge and draw you closer when you know who he is, when you have an understanding of who he is, it, it, it should cause you to love him more. It should cause you to want to be closer to him continually. Like the song says, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. You know, it's giving you a picture of an early rising. It's giving you a picture of what you love, what you're looking for, what you want to be close to. And he says, and I come to the garden while the dew. We know that's the early morning. And you, why? The voice I hear is falling on my ear. The Son of God is disclosed. In other words, you're coming close to God. And he walks with me and he talks to me. So you you want to come into that presence of, of worship. Amen. You, it's a, a state of honor and reverence and respect because 
You're bowing before him. It's an old terminology uh, that if you go back in the old times, the king would appear and people would bow. Uh, if you know uh, that Mordecai got mad at, uh, I mean, Haman got mad at Mordecai because he wouldn't give him reverence. He wanted him to bow, wanted him to worship him. But they was, in their minds, that Jews, as they knew, there was only one God, and that was all they were going to worship. That's kind of like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When you you look at them, amen, and King Nebuchadnezzar makes his big statues, and he says, when you hear the music, the psalms, and the heart button, the dorsimmer, and all these things, you fall down and you worship my image. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow down. They said, we will not bow to your image. See, because they knew who God was. Amen. And that should be the thing. You're going to worship something. We're designed to worship something. Let's let it be God. Amen. And worship flows out of our hearts. Amen. For what God has done. Amen. And we, we move to that point. It's, it's got to be our hearts and our minds. The inward man has got to be renewed, Paul says, day by day so that we begin to understand the importance of who he is and begin to worship him. It's got to flow out of our heart. Amen. You, you, worship, you can't be forced to worship God. You know, you can't even really be forced to serve him. You can, but I, I would not think it would be real if you did. <laughs> you know, you want to you wanna do it from your heart, see, because you, you realize where you were. You know, I, I know where I was. I know the things I was going through. I know, you know, my life from before God pulled me out of the muck and the mire. It's kind of like the Psalms just says, he brought me out of the miry clay and he established and set my feet on a rock and he established my goings. Say, so now I need to worship him. I, I need to exalt him and magnify him for who he is, not what he's done for me. Yes, I am so thankful for what he has done for me. But I want to worship him for who he is. I want to give him reverence. I want to give him honor. Amen. So there's three essentials that drives our worship. And number one is faith. In Exodus chapter 4 verse 31 there on your paper, it says, And the people believed, and when they had heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, and that he had looked upon their afflictions, then they bowed their heads and they worship. Notice, faith is one of the key essentials should drive your worship. Hebrews 11.6 says, He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. So when we come to God, we must believe. I have to believe in God. Faith as we saw last month, is our substance. It is that support network. It is the 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 foundation that our uh, understanding should be built on. We've got to have faith. Everything is driven by our faith. And so faith should push us to worship God. It should cause us to realize who he is. And as a result of that, it should help us to determine our worship. Faith determines and drives your worship. We believe in God. 
There's nothing impossible with God. The Bible says, when you look at Abraham in, in chapter 20, Genesis 22, Abraham said that I said to his servants, stay here. Me and the lad is going to go yonder and worship and come again. He believed in God. He was taking something valuable and important. That should always be our desires for coming to church is to worship God. I want to worship Him. I'm not just coming to, to hear the latest sermon. I'm not just coming to see who's there. I'm not just coming, you know, to, to check a block. I'm coming to worship Him. Say, it's what I'm coming for. I'm coming to bow down. I'm coming to, to serve Him. To honor Him. Amen. It's what I'm, I'm looking at doing here because of what He's done for me. People says, I didn't get anything out of that service. You know, well, it's not my fault. Say, because you came for the wrong reason. Say, we should come to worship. Amen. For what He's already done for us. Say, and if, if I get that in my heart and in my mind, that that's what I'm doing, is I'm coming to pray homage to God for what He's done for me and who He is. And I'm not going to be too concerned about what I get out of the service as long as I know that I was with Him, as long as I know that I was able to feel His presence with me when I bow before Him, when I kneel before Him, when I... You know, yeah, you could do it at home, but we are told to not neglect the assemblies of ourselves together because of the unity of the body. Amen. And so we want to be in a united effort to worship God because as we worship God, we find that it pulls us more closer to Him. And as we get closer to Him, He began to reveal to us things that's not like Him so that we can become perfected in Him and become complete in Him in all that we do. Amen. So faith pushes and drives and determines our levels of worship. Amen. As we see throughout Scriptures, amen, in Mark chapter 5, the Bible tells us that when Jesus came to the shores of the, of the Gadarene, what did He do? Immediately He saw Jesus afar. And the Bible says he ran and he worshipped him. He bowed before him that, yes, he was demon-possessed. But notice what happens. His worship got him delivered from demonic forces. See? Worship got him delivered out of demonic forces. So you, if, if a person is demonic-possessed, and they start to worship God because they know He is God, they can be delivered. They can be cast out. Amen. And notice, He was delivered from those demonic forces. And notice what happened with this worship. Not only did they cast Him out, but what happened? He was in His right mind. See? Worship can get us back into our right mind. Because what happens a lot of times is throughout the courses of the day, throughout the courses of life, so many things can come against us. So many things can try to cause us to 
trouble our minds and as a result we can lose focus of what we're supposed to be doing and we won't worship God, we won't praise God, we won't magnify God. So, but if we get back into the habit of worshiping God, the drawing to that intimacy and relationship with God, it can get our minds back focused. That's why Isaiah says, He will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon Him. See, so if my mind is going crazy, if my mind is just, you know, I got so, my clutter to, is, is, is as Daniel says, the enemy's goal is to try to what? Wear out the saints of the Most High God. See, that's why the enemy is putting all this stuff, the billboards and, and everything, you know, the radio, the music and everything to trouble your mind. See, and when your mind is not stayed on him, you make wrong choices and you make wrong decisions. But if I worship God, if I draw nigh to God with a pure heart and with a pure mind, and I stay focused on what I am doing, He will keep me in perfect peace. See, casting all my cares upon Him. Why? Because He careth for me. See, so notice the man, he's full of demons, but after they're cast out, he's in his right mind. But day and night before that, he's in the tombs, he's screaming, he's crying, he's hauling out. You know, he's in chains, he's in feathers. But as soon as he starts to worship, it's back in his right mind. See, this is what we want to do. Amen. The Syrophoenician woman, amen, in Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to 28. Here she is. She comes to Jesus and she says to him, to the disciples, you know, to try to get help from them. But they find themselves here, amen, to want her to go away. If you want to go there real quick, Matthew chapter, let's look at this one. Matthew 15. Start in verse 21. Matthew 15, 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thy son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she, then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. She said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat the crumbs which falls from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Amen. Notice the pushing point is faith. Amen. She came to him. It would have been easy. Amen. For her to be discouraged when he says, 
It's not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. You see, the Canaanites and, and those people of the tribe, the Tyre and the Sidons, you know, they were, were, were mean to the Jews. They, they was of the tribe of, of the, uh, uh, oh, oh my goodness, of, uh, what was Abraham's Ishmael side of the house and Esau side of the house. Amen. And so as a result, they was mean to the Jews. They lived in the mountains. They lived in the caves. They didn't like the Jews. And they was classified by the Jews as dogs because they was always so mean when the, you know, and, and when they, when the people would come against them, they would even try to help to destroy the Jews. And so Jesus is saying, it is not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. But she humbles herself. She says, truth, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that falls from their master's table. In other words, I'm willing to take whatever you give me. I'm willing. She, she began to worship him. In a humility state, she began to acknowledge him when she says, truth, Lord. Amen. Who is the Lord save our God? And who is the God save our rock? David says in Psalms 18.31. Amen. She began to worship. And what happens? Jesus says, woman, great is your faith. Notice, her faith drove her worship, her faith drove her to acknowledge who he was. Amen. And his, her belief in his ability to do what she had asked him for. But you find out through scriptures that every time it seems like Jesus is not going to do what they are asking him to do, as soon as they worship him, he always comes through. He always come through. Amen. Because he can't deny who he is. See, he has to do what he says he will do. And so they began to worship him. And so we see here by this Syrophoenician worshiping him, just like the Gadarene, there's a deliverance process. Her daughter is possessed also with demons. And he's, she's immediately delivered as soon as she, the mother, starts to worship. Maybe you know someone that's possessed. If you start to worship, amen, they can too be delivered, amen. When Jarius comes to Jesus, he says, Lord, you know, my daughter is sick, amen. And he falls down at his feet in Matthew, uh, Mark chapter 5. And he begins to worship him. And as a result of that, when Jesus gets to his house, she's dead. But what happened? She still is raised back to life. Amen. Worship can bring about a miraculous change, bring life back to people. Amen. And it can restore the life. People can be dead in their trespasses and sins, but if they begin to worship, they can get newness of life. That's the overall pop, pop thing for the gospel is to bring newness of life to individuals. Amen. So our faith in who he is will determine and drive our trust and belief 
and God and help us to move to that point of reverence and bow down before Him. Amen. We need to understand that God doesn't tempt us to, to worship Him. He, he wants us to do it with a pure heart and with a pure mind. Amen. We, we do it because we love Him. Amen. We do it because we truly love the Lord. Amen. Now, with Abraham, it would seem that some people in Genesis 22, the Bible begins to say that it, that God tempted Abraham. But the word tempted there is not uh, like a trap or something that you do. That's not what it means. It means that he proves him. He tests him. He tries him. See? And so, therefore, you know, Abraham moves to that point because if anything is going to be real, it needs to be tested. See, our worship must be real. It's got to be true. And sometimes we may be tested. The Bible tells us in Galatians, Hebrews 12 that whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth every man. So we're going to be tested. But we can pass the test. If our faith is in Christ. See, when Abraham went to offer Isaac, see, the Bible lets us know in Hebrews 11, if you want to go to Hebrews 11, verse, I think it's 17, Hebrews 11, 17, to give us a clearer picture here. says, by faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that hath received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him from the dead, from which he also received him in a figure. Notice, it start with what? His faith. Amen. His faith. Amen. He did it by his faith. He knew that God had promised him a son. He believed that God would provide him a son. And as a result, it strengthened his faith. So when God says, I want you to offer your son, amen, your only son, it was a form of sacrifice, bringing God your very best. Amen. What very best to bring God than you? Amen. You are his children. You are his. You belong to him. So when you come, you're presenting yourself. That's why worship is a form of prostrating before God. It's valid. Amen. God, I give you my all. I come before you in homage and respect and reverence. And I bow before you. That's why the Psalms says in Psalms 95, come, let us worship and bow down. See, when I come to God, I'm giving him my all. Everything that I am, everything that I hope to be, I'm given to Him. I'm yours, Lord, as the song says. Everything I am, everything I'm not, everything I've got, I'm yours, Lord. Try me now and see and see if I can be completely yours. Amen. I want to bow before Him. I don't want to hold nothing back. I think there's a song out there now saying, singing that. I'm holding nothing back. I'm coming before Him. Amen. To open my heart and my mind to worship Him. Amen. 
I want to be his. I want to give him my all. I'm sacrificing myself. I think Romans 12 began to tell us, amen, uh, therefore, amen, to, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies, what is living sacrifices. Say, I, I want to come into, I can't come before him with sin in my heart. I, 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 a true worshiper, I want to worship him in what? Spirit and in truth. Amen. And my faith pushes this. Amen. My faith in God. My faith in who he is. My faith in his abilities. My faith in knowing about him would drive me. To worship Him. To prove that I am everything that He desires of me to be. I got to know Him. David, Paul says, oh, that I might know Him. The power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering. Being conformable unto His death, but by any means I can obtain to that which I am also apprehended of. Brother, and I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and I reach forth to those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. Worship should be, it, it, it should just be a spontaneous thing out of our heart, from the heart. See, because we know him. We know who he is. We know what he has done. For us. And that's why throughout scriptures, when you realize when they know him, it moves them to worship him. Amen. And we've got to have that same trust in his abilities. Now, you notice the scripture there in, about faith. Notice they heard. Say, once they heard what God had done, they bowed and they worshiped. When they heard what God had did for Israel, for the people, they worshipped him. See? It's giving him honor, giving him respect, reverence in him for what he what he's done. They heard faith. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Amen. And it moved them to worship. So until we fully trust, until we fully know, until we fully get to the point of believing. And God, we're not going to be a true worshiper. Hey, I, I got to have this peace sealed in me. Say, we must all have this, this, this confidence in who He is. As the Lord says, who do they say I, the Son of Man, am? The revelation of truth should drive us, to determine us, to make us, to cause us to worship Him. Amen. Praise God. And Matthew 14, verse 22-23, we see the story of Peter walking on the water. You know, and as they walked on the water, you notice, Peter says, Lord, if it be you, bid me come. He says, come. He steps out on faith. His faith moved him, what? Towards God. See? And after he began to sink, then the Lord takes him and they get into the boat. And what happened? They start to worship him. 
they, they believe and now they start to worship. Your belief should push you to worship. Do you believe in Him? John said, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and in believing you might have eternal life. John chapter 21 verse 30 and 31. See, so it should push us to a point of worship Him. Number two, a next essential that you need. My goodness, where did time go? Is the Spirit. The Spirit. Jesus says, they that worship Him must worship Him in what? Spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. He tells her that God is a spirit, or God is spirit. So if God is spirit, and God is the spirit, amen, then in order to worship Him in the spirit, guess what i got to have? i got to have the spirit. Because worship is spiritual. See? Worship is a spiritual thing. I want to worship Him in the Spirit with my understanding. Say, I need to have His Spirit in me. You remember what the Lord says in two passages in Jeremiah, I think it's Jeremiah 31, 33, and Hebrews, I think, somewhere in 10, uh, somewhere. He says, I will give you what? A new heart and a new spirit so that you will know me. Say, and so the Spirit is to bring us to that understanding. See, the Bible says in Romans 8 and 9, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. But if I say I have the Spirit, then I should be able to worship him in the Spirit. And in truth. See, so the Spirit, I need to have this. The Lord says to... to uh through Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, he says, Let not the wise man, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, he says, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the strong, mighty man glory in his strength. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glory, glorieth in this, that he knoweth and understandeth me. That I am the Lord which exercise love and kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things do I delight, saith the Lord. See, God wants us to know Him. He wants us to have a clear understanding. See, this is why the Bible says the Spirit will lead you and guide you to all truth. See, so if I'm going to worship Him in truth, then I need the Spirit to drive me and bring me to the truth so that I have an understanding so I could worship Him in spirit and in truth. I need to know what I'm worshiping. This is what Jesus says to the woman. We know what we worship. You don't know what you're worshiping. Salvation is of the Jews. In other words... I am from the Jewish relation, and neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name in the heaven 
given to men whereby we must be saved. See? So I want to know what I'm worshiping. You know, if you don't know Him, then you're not worshiping Him in truth. See, you've got to have the knowledge of what you're worshiping. Oh, that men may worship the Lord. Oh, that my people had known me. Say, the driving factor from faith to spirit to knowledge of the truth. I am, John 14, 6, the way, the truth, and the life. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Amen. The word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. and We beheld his glory, right? So when I know him and I have his spirit, I can unite with him and worship. I can come before his presence. I can bow before him because I know who I am worshiping. There's no deception. I'm not over here saying, well, is it the Father, is it the Son, or is it the Holy Ghost? No. I know him. See? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. See? So I know what I'm, I'm doing here. I'm, I'm worshiping the Father in spirit. And in truth, true worshipers, be not deceived. Amen. You want to be able to have this drive in you and so that when you come before him, amen, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him and spirit and in truth. Amen. If you, if you just go through your scriptures, it, it, it'll enlighten you. See, so that when you come before his presence, you're coming to, to worship God. So apostolic worship is, is not only just, you know, a bunch of smoke machines in a church and a bunch of scrub lights. That's not worship. Amen. Saying a few songs and jumping here and jumping there is not worship. Amen. It's a reverence. Is a knowledge, is an understanding of God. Amen. More than anything else. I come before His presence. Amen. And I bow before Him and I acknowledge Him for who He is. You are the Almighty God. You are the bread of life. You are the comforter. You are the door. You are the everlasting Father. You are the faithful one, the holy one. You are Emmanuel. God is with us. You are Jesus. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are the master. You are the name that's above every name. You are the omnipresent spirit. You are the prince of peace. You are the quickening spirit. You are the rose of Sharon. You are my savior. You are my truth. You are the unleavened bread. You are my victory. You are my word. Amen. You are my expectations, oh God. You are the truth. Amen. You are my yoke, my zeal. Amen. God, you are everything to me and you're so much more. Amen. That's just only a few of the things the Word tells us He is. But when I know Him, amen, and the Spirit of God is in me, then I can worship Him. Because 
want an intimate relationship with God. I want to know Him. I want to be like John. I want to lay upon His bosom. Amen. I want to hear His heartbeat. Amen. And I want to know His voice. I want to know the things of God. That's what worship is all about. Amen. Amen. That's what I go to church for. That's why I go before Him constantly is to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Praise God. We need to know what we're worshiping. Amen. Get wisdom. And all that get and get an understanding. Exalt her. And she will keep thee. She will bring thee the honor. She'll give you life. Amen. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Workmen needed not be ashamed. Rightly divide the word of truth so that you know what you're worshiping. People worship the Packers. People work the Vikings. Losers. Amen. They keep, they keep, they keep worshiping the wrong thing. They, they worship cars. You know, you know, they, I gotta get that out of me, God. <laughs> they, but they, they worship, think about the things that people worship. They worship their careers, they worship their homes, their vehicles, their children, you know, and all these things are important to life, but nothing should trump God. Nothing should come before God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. You want to always have a heart. Worship flows from the heart because of our love for who he is. It's that intimate intimacy. You know, when my wife and I got married, I told her I love her. I told her don't ever forget it. Right. So. But it's, it's the love relationship. And, and the more I know of her, the more I love her. And our intimacy is stronger. See? And this is what you want to get to that point with God. The more you walk with Him, as the song says, and He walks with me. And He talks with me. And He tells me I am His own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Your worship with God is between you and Him. You Don't try to compare your worship to someone else. You know, that don't try to even compare your prayer life with someone else. I, I hear people say, oh, that person is a prayer warrior and all that. No, don't com- don't get caught up into that mess. Amen. Your relationship with God is you and Him. Amen. Don't try to focus on someone else. You build yourself with Him and your worship and your praise and your knowledge as you grow. Let Him lead you. Let Him direct you. Let Him guide you. But your overall purpose is to come before His presence with thanksgiving and enter into His gates with praise, being thankful unto Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth and do it to all 
generations. Amen. So we're going to worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. Praise God. That was a quick 45 minutes. Amen. So that's what we're going to talk about this month is core values and worship. Amen. Praise God. So let's take a few minute break here and we'll get ready for the second phase.